Welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast with me, Sean Anderson, the CEO and founder of Hoxo Media. This is the show where I bring to you recruitment owners, suppliers, advisors, investors around the world who are prepared to give up some of their time to tell effectively stories of how they've built their recruitment agencies, the highs, the lows, the things they've done throughout their career, as well as recently how they've tackled this ridiculous pandemic that we know as COVID-19. Um, over the last couple of weeks, I've been joined on LinkedIn Live every single Thursday morning with um, an Australian guest and uh, my co-host, Pete Watson. Um, I'm today luckily joined by a lady called Stella Petru-Concha, who um, I'm going to let her do the introduction because it, her business has actually changed very recently. So Stella, good morning in the UK, good evening in Australia. Welcome to LinkedIn Live. Uh, hello to everyone. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Pete, good morning, good evening. How are you? Good morning and good evening. How are you? <laughs> All right, mate. For the final time together this year, I'm not. we haven't got the plan for next year yet, have we? So um, how, have, how have you found the last few, uh, few weeks sharing the mic with me as a, as, a, as, a, as a fellow podcast host? It's been great. I've, I've, I've genuinely uh, loved listening to how everybody has handled COVID in their own different way. And I still re regularly remind myself of something that Ange Hawkins said when she said, uh, I just I just know that I'm not going to go back to the way I was pre-COVID. And I, yeah. think that's, I think that's a very healthy thing that we should all try and remember. Not for you, Stella, because you, you've now got to run two businesses <laughs> at one. If anything, it's going to get harder for you, but we'll, we'll come back to that. Well, you're not going to go back, are you? So, Stella, um, give us a, an overview. For, for people that don't know you, can you tell us who you are and a bit about your business? Okay, so up until about a month ago, I was the founder and CEO of Rio Group. Um, we'd been around for 11 years together with my husband. We started the business a decade ago. And as of this moment, I'm the co-founder and CEO of a new business called Rio Pertel, which is a roll-up or a merger with Cox Pertel and TDR Group. Oh, I just had I just had this the podcast playing on my phone in the background. Sorry, um, I was just oh, really? checking we were I was just checking we're live on LinkedIn. I was like, oh, live? You know, this time. is. It's, I mean, I said to you, this is going to be the virgin moment, and there's been a couple of stuff ups already. It's so I think this is awesome. This is really good. It's the last because it's the last one of the year. Someone's trying to bother us. We've had a few uh, good mornings <laughs> from the UK from Ru Ruella and uh, Simon Parsons, um, who both. Have shared a bit of uh, a bit of the Hoxo Academy stuff with us. So good morning to you too. Um, but Stella, we're going to get into your merger. I'm I'm super excited to find out about the merger because I think um, I don't know anyone else who's merged their business in the middle of a global pandemic. So that is uh, that is definitely on the on the cards to talk about if if we don't lose the plot with the tech today. Um, but can you do us a favor and just tell us like the story of your business, like Rio? So when did you start the company and and uh, give us the you know the elevator story of of Rio Group. Sure. Um, the backstory is I'm a medical graduate and dropout, uh, didn't enjoy it um, and found myself fumbling from one job to the other until I fumbled into recruitment, which is the usual story. Started with Robert Half International and I was with them for a couple of years, two years before I resigned in the global financial crisis. So um, I was their, one of their top billers in Asia Pac. And when the GFC hit, there were some things that I weren't happy with. And I, I said to my husband at the time, I said, would you be interested in going into business with me? 
and um, he he was a business owner. He had several businesses in the past, and I had two years' experience in recruitment. I was pretty much a rookie, mm-hmm. and um, left Robert Half and started Rio. So where did the name come from? Doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything. REO means what Coke means, what Nike means, what Saatchi and Saatchi means, what Hoxo means. It means nothing, you know. So I knew I didn't want to be stellar recruitment or, you know, like Michael Page, Robert Half, you know, there's, I didn't want my name to be the recruitment agency because I wanted succession from the business. So Mm. that's the entry. Wow. So when was that? 2009. So what was your life? I was 2026 or something like that. So can you paint a picture? Of what were you? What was your life like outside of work? Because you just said you turned around to your husband at the time, after two years, and said, "Will you go into business with me?" That must have been a an interesting conversation. But what what was going on in your life outside of that that made you feel like it was the right time? Um. Okay. So it's this is my second business. So when I when I left the hospital, I started my first business. Right. So I, I think the first thing is I've got business in my blood. Mum and dad owned fish and chip shops. I was born into fish and chip shops, typical Greek family. So I've come out of small business. I get it, right? And um, I just don't think I really fit the mould of corporate. I you know, had some time at Johnson & Johnson um, as a medical rep. But what was going on in my life at the time is we had a mortgage. We were uh, just about, we had just gotten married, just a young, young life. Um, but I had absolute conviction in what I was doing. Robert Half gave me a lot of confidence and they taught me my trade, my trade being recruitment. So, you know, um, you got to understand I had finished my degree and I started my first job in the hospital and I didn't like it and I quit. Mum got cancer and I quit. And then I had a year off kind of with my mum, retraining myself in neuro-linguistic programming, which was my first business. And I think the formative years, I wasn't very successful. I didn't really find something that I could do and be successful in. And, you know, you think by the time you're 25, you've kind of, you know, quarter, quarter, you would argue a quarter to or a third of your way into your life, yeah. you kind of should know by then the street that you're on. And I was still trying to find that. Recruitment was it for me. So I threw myself into it. Wow. You not, got many, not, not many people start a recruitment business with two years' experience, no. Marcelo. No. I mean, it's, no. It's, and, you know, my husband, Marcelo, he he's, I would say that he's the operational brains behind the business. He gave me my confidence to to do that. Without him, there'd be, there's no Rio, really. We, we have a saying that... Um, we are a perfect flower. I'm the pretty face, but he's the stem, <laughs> you know, he's the roots. Um, so I think it's really important that he has a big voice um, as the first part of the um, of the business. And I think why is that important? I think if you're going to start your own business, you really do need an operational face. I don't think that recruitment agencies can scale to the degree that they need to scale unless there is a, an individual there that's actually driving the infrastructure, the governance, the reporting, the accounting, the IT, just the operations. Yeah, I I, um, I completely agree with that. I was saying, I said this on my podcast earlier this week, actually, that, um, you know, the, the amount of recruitment businesses I see that are two recruiters that are both good billers, that don't divide their roles at all, <clears> they just <throat> both go out to make money. And what happens is they make a load of, load of cash and then they start hiring. Yeah. 
And then a few years later, they wonder why they're not growing. And it's because no one's looking after anything but billing. And they end up really with just building a glorified resource team underneath them. Um, and they wonder why they're not moving forward. It's like, because you own everything. You're, you're, you know, every relationship is yours. Every deal is yours. And you just have a couple of people underneath. It's not, it's not set for scale. Um, no. One thing about you, mm -hmm. Stella, like we got to know each other throughout this summer um, through the Academy program. You were just a force, I thought. I was the way the only way I can describe you is a force. Like you have this energy that you're like I felt that there was times where we'd have fifteen people on the room in the room that were a bit down and you would manage to lift them up faster than I could. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, <laughs> thank God you're in this room. Um, but where does that come from? Because you showed it there when you turn around to your husband after two years of recruitment and go, Will you go into business with me? That's the force that I'm referring to. Where does that come from? Great question. Um, and I'm just about to release a book on this. Oh, wow. Wow. You're the first I've author a book. Right on the podcast. <laughs> the force comes from within, and that sounds really dicky, I know. Um, but the practice of self-mastery, which is having absolute alignment with your energy, with your mind and with your body, is where the power comes from. I had this conversation today with um, Raghav, who's one of my business partners. He, We were talking about congruence. And sometimes when we go through dissonant times in life, we, we split our energy. Our mind goes that way, our energy goes that way, and we lose our power. Our power bar goes down. When the power go, bar goes down, the stories start and you lose your leverage. So even, even when we're in a challenging time, when I've been in a challenging time, my attitude is I accept this moment as if it's the only moment I have to accept. There is no other moment that I can accept. I have no other choice. So even if I'm in a difficult time, I accept it. And through acceptance comes presence and through presence comes alignment and alignment turns to power. So you talk about, you know, you're asking me, where does the force come from? It's alignment with self. And, you know, after recruitment, there will be a life for me after recruitment. This is what I'm going to teach. Wow. That's powerful. I've that is really, that's, that's really powerful. That's, and it kind of makes sense. It definitely does. It, I said it, it, it's yeah. simple explanation. Yeah, I, I, I was saying it this week. Like me and, me and my business partner live by two rules, and we always have said it since we were younger. And that's, is it the right thing to do? And if it is, do it. And, and we'll work it out. That's our attitude. We'll always work it out. Like we don't, you know, solution mindset. But to me, that whole, is it the right thing to do is really what you've just said in, in a very simplistic way that I, it has to feel congruent with me. It has to feel, if my guts feels off with an activity or with a, with a strategy or with a, you know, with a plan that's work related, personal related or whatever, if my gut says, you know, it just fires up, there's something not feeling right. Um, it's, it's probably not the right thing to do. Or if you feel like you're going to, you know, it's, it might financially benefit you, but it's actually not going to benefit other people. Hmm. I'm not, I just don't give a shit about stuff like that. It has to feel we right. Don't we don't get taught this, you know, like we don't really get taught as children. We don't get taught at school. And we're not encouraged to think like this in business or even in corporate. I mean, you got to think we've got to validate our, our decisions with data. And um, I believe in all of that, all of that kind of backstage decision-making, backstage leadership. But what about front-stage leadership? What about being able to be completely present and perceive, be present in your moment and perceive someone else's energy so mm -hmm. you can be, it's almost the opportunity to be psychic, right, with whatever needs to, 
whatever information needs to be um, coming through for you in that moment. And I know it sounds really esoteric, but actually um, when I meet executives that understand this, they leverage and they're the ones that are sitting in CEO roles. 100%. So, so how, did you, how did you discover this, this way of thinking? Did it just appear? When my, my father, um, through my father, he fought in the Cypriot War, the Cypriot-Turkish War, his Cypriot, and he, um, he married my mum in Cyprus and came to Australia when he was 30. So I don't know how old you boys are, but imagine being 30 and moving to another country where you've, you're uneducated and you don't know how to speak the language. That was my dad. Yeah. And um, about 10 years after that, he sent my mum, he, he had a fight with mum and he said, mum said to him, go to the library and go get a book, go learn how to read. And he came home from the library that day and he brought home a book called Bring Out the Magic of Your Mind by Al Corrin. And it's a mastery book. And he sat down and he said to me, Stella, I went and got this book. Can you help me read it? I'm going to read it. And we read it together. I was 12. And that book taught you things like the things that you say to yourself moment to moment curate your reality. Affirmations. If you repeat something to yourself over and over again, you can manifest it. It taught you mind mastery, like just the fundamentals of mind mastery. And I know, Sean, you've got a mind mastery. You know, you work with mind mastery, coaches, etc. And I was 12 and I learned this. So between wow. 12 and 18, I would have read 50 books on this. And that's where my journey with building a relationship with my own unconscious mind started. That's incredible. I, I was literally with my, my psychologist last night talking about this. And, you know, I've got a tendency to predict the future right that's just my na my natural tendency is to start working out what's going to happen and that i suppose that has served me very well in business in a lot of ways because i predict risk you know worst case scenario what could happen here um but what it also does is it he says your mind is a, is not a very good predictor of, of the future especially people's behavior you will always you, you always have a negative bias it's just you know we're, we're predispositioned to have a negative bias so when you look at a, a situation or how it could unfold you will always lean towards the negative um, yeah. And he, he just said to me, like, you've got to realize that that's your mind doing what your mind does. It's not actually you. And you've got to, dis you've got to distance yourself from it uh, as if it was somebody else. And be like, okay, mate, like you've just worked out what could happen. Negative, worst case scenario. Thanks for that. And put it in a little box. And, and I'm trying to do that now. And it, it, I, had, I had zero support when I was younger. I had no male role model to support me. I had no... Um, I, I didn't know these things existed. I didn't know business existed. I, I've, I've said it on plenty of my shows that I thought businessman was a fucking job until I was about 21. I swear <laughs> to God, if you had a briefcase and a suit, I was like, oh, he's a businessman. I'm not, I can't be one of them. Like, you got to be for money to be one of them. Um, well, had I had, it, I, again, I'm going well off topic, but after Hoxo, you just said you want to do something else after recruitment. I want to get into education again because I was a teacher. I've gone into this. I want to, I'm passionate about working out how do we get younger people in schools who are like me that are probably seen as annoying in the classroom who don't shut up, but have potentially got amazing sales skills. But sales isn't a route in school, is it? Sales isn't, you don't go, well, he's a bit, you know, he's a bit, he talks a lot. He could make some money in, in business. Like no one looks at that. So I'm passionate about thinking, well, Maybe academic routes are, the, are not the only route for, for people. And imagine like, you know, imagine giving me a book about, about what you just talked about at 15. I think I'd have loved it. I really think I'd have loved it. I gave one to my godchild recently. She's 12 and she started reading it. Um, I, I think, you know, between the ages of 12 and 21, it's, it's kind of where we learn about relationships and where we play in our life with, you know, um, 
any sort of relationship, sexual relationship, friendship relationships, that's the period of time in our life. And I think, you know, it's a hard time in any human life. And imagine giving anyone a book and say, okay, I'm going to teach you the fundamentals of mind mastery. You don't question it. You just learn it. Mm -hmm. And I know what I'll be teaching my girls. You know, yeah. this is, you know, this this is the important stuff. I'd say no to a private school uh, over saying no to teaching kids this mind mastery. So maybe when we both graduate from the recruitment kingdom, uh, we can start a business together, Sean. If you if, if you turn around to me and you 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 are the force that asked me that question, I don't think I'd be able to say no. I'm telling you now. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd, be left, I'd be powerless, Stella. I'd be powerless. So, what I want to do? Let's get into it though, right? So, let's tell us through the first few, like the formative years of of Rio Group. So, how does this my, mindset mastery? How does this relationship with your husband unfold in the first, say, five years? Talk us on a Give us a, a quick overview of how it, how it actually went in the early days. So we, I left Robert Half in 2009. We went, we went on a long holiday in Cyprus and then we came back and we incorporated the business and we just split the business in half. Anything ops you do, anything recruitment I do, and we had explicit trust in, in each other. Um, we had no income. He had sold his business. We had zero income coming into the family and a mortgage. So just... Like just go, I sat out my six-month non-compete as well. I didn't work for six months. I I, I honoured my contract with Robert Half because I knew I knew that was the right thing to do and that was me being in alignment with myself. Um, so we, we had huge amounts of debt when we started. We had our mortgage and Marcelo had some debt in his business. So we turned that debt around in the first six weeks of the business. So I started the business on the 18th of January, 2010. I closed my first two jobs in the first week, picked up the job, closed the job, and income was coming in. So it was an awesome start. Um, and we worked seven days a week, you know, 24 hours a day. There's nothing, there's nothing to question on that. Um, hard work is what gets a business off the ground. It can't be a lifestyle business from the beginning. No. Um, and we worked like that for two years. Raghav Mehta was our first employee. Um, so he joined the company. He, so he's, he's obviously, you know, Raghav, but yeah, yeah, he joined the company b before we even um, had a name. <clears throat> wow. What did you, what so, do you mean before you had a name? What did you invoice people saying dot, 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 invoice? <laughs> So he's special, right? Like he's really important to me. He, I placed him in his first job out of Deloitte, so I was his recruiter. And wow. after I quit Robert Half, he um, he said, "Hey, I know, I know you've quit Robert Half. Can can we catch up?" And I'm like, "Yeah, mate, but just as a friend." So we caught up at a coffee shop in Concord, and he goes, "What are you going to do?" And I said, "I think I'm going to start my own agency." He goes, "Can I can I join you?" I said, "Yeah." He was an accountant. He was a business analyst at Lloyd's yeah. out of banking. I you said, can tell yeah, that about it. yeah. You can but that was the industry we were in, right? And yeah. you know, um, he started. He, we, he quit his job on a handshake with us and started six weeks after we launched Rio. So he was wow. really fundamental as well in the growth of the business. Wow. So five years in, where was the business at? If you can accelerate that through. <laughs> I'll tell you what, five years in, I had had two children. So um, I didn't say this to you, Pete, but um, we started the business in 2010. I fell pregnant in 2011 <clears throat> wow. and had a baby in 2012. So I had a baby and the business was two years old. I had four years recruitment experience and I had a baby. Wow. Did you have staff at that point other than regard? Yeah. 
No, no, we did. We had, you know, 10 people by then. Wow. And um, I took two weeks off and then I brought the baby to work and I was breastfeeding and recruiting. And I have um, I have a memory of ha- having my breastfeeding um, sheet over me with the baby on my boob, me at my desk and a candidate sitting next to me in the back office, a candidate that I thought, you're gonna, I'm going to place you. And I said, uh, i got to feed the baby. This is your resume. I need you to fix your resume because it's not written well. I don't like the way your resume is written. You sit at my desk. I'm going to tell you what to write in your resume. She's still at the job that I placed her at nine years ago. Wow. See, yes. this is what I meant about the force, Pete. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? you can, it's just constant force. Do you get what I'm saying? I do. So, so do, do you think the fact that you only had a couple of – okay, so you, you strike me, Stella, as somebody who lives your life by your rules. You know, you don't, you don't conform to the usual corporate expectations. And do you think that's because you only had a couple of years in recruitment before you started your own business? So essentially you – you, you, you run your business as you see fit. Had you spent 10 years at Michael Page, you might have been a little bit robotic about how you, how you did things. Does that make sense? Possibly, but, you know, possibly. I mean, is there a question in that or is that a statement? Um, uh, what I would say is because I've got clarity on who I am and what I'm here to do, I don't stuff around needing I don't need to stuff around learning things from multiple different people if Mm. I've got focus I'll go and execute on that focus and I'm very okay with failure I failed right through the last 10 I have there's so there's so many bad stories so many bad tell us one um I'll tell you a few without getting into detail. We've had corporate fraud in the business. I had um, an individual that started with the business as a director to come in um, that we said within 12 months you'd become partner. We offered him partnership and he he resigned and went and started his own business. Um, lot people, people challenges because I was 26. I didn't know how to manage a team, how to lead a team. I knew nothing about leadership. Mm. So what I could have gotten had I stayed at Michael Page, Robert Half Hayes, whoever, you know, whatever you can think of is not the structure of recruitment but the structure of leadership and development and how you manage people. Now, in saying that, I don't know if Michael Page, Robert Half Hayes teach that. Gut mm. tells me they don't. So... Um, the last 10 years I've learnt about leadership and that's been hard. That's like looking at yourself in the mirror and going, you're ugly. What are you going to do about that ugliness? How are you going to change that? Because whatever's going on on the outside is because of what's going on on the inside. So um, every time there was a challenge in my business, someone would resign or there was an issue, I would look at myself in the mirror and I would say, right, this is your business. This is a result of your leadership. Let's take a look at your leadership, Stella, and and let's have a look at where your redundancies are. And I'd get coaches to come and help me. Mm. So that's the that's the the offset of not working for a corporate. Mm. Yeah, I can, I can empathise with that in terms of knowing that when you know you've got to look at your own behaviour and accountability when when things are going wrong, and you know you've got to take responsibility, even if. Even if it's not directly looks like it's your fault when it's your business and you've brought those people through, it is your fault. Like it's, it's, it is. it's exactly your fault. Um, I found that the hardest thing. I talked about this a lot. I found the hardest transition to go from, 
you know, top, top recruiter to manager. I found it really difficult. And um, then when I started a marketing agency, having never worked in marketing, that was even fucking harder because I couldn't, <laughs> I didn't know what these people did. Like I couldn't hire a designer and fucking like manage him because I was never a designer before. At least in recruitment, I was the guy that was fucking awesome and I could spot problems. I could give them, you know, on the desk training, I could, I could solve it. I, and I was inspirational in the way that I did it. When I was, and even when I hired a salesperson, it was easier. Like Hisham at Hoxhill worked for me. I knew he was my right-hand man in my armpit, and together we smashed it. Every other person in the company, graphic design, account management, copywriters, I had no idea what they had actually been through to get where they were. That was fucking difficult. But like you said, you've got to take responsibility. You've got to look at yourself in the mirror. You've got to go out and find people. Sometimes you've got to get rid of people. Sometimes you've got to make difficult decisions. And... um you know, you got to go through the process. Like you got to go through the challenge. Like there's no success and failure go together. They're the yin and yang of each other. So if I say to myself, I want success this year, and I do, yeah. I want success in my new business, Rio Pertel. I am going for me to get that. I know I'm going to have to fail at some stuff because there are elements of a merger that I've never experienced before. I'm a rookie. Mm. Mm. I've got a really good handle on what I need to do, but I've never done it before. Yeah. So I'm not going to berate myself when I stuff it up. I know there might, I might dip for a little bit now before we go back up. I'm okay with that. I've planned for that. And I think we all need to plan for these redundancies in our lives because perfection doesn't exist, you know. like. Yeah, yeah 100%. So are, you, uh, are, you, are you excited by the fact that you're – you have this newer adventure in front of you. Would you have been comfortable just carrying on with, with Rio and just living a cruisy life? I suspect you wouldn't. No, no, I wasn't. I I had been, we had been on a high growth journey for a while and I, I wanted something new. 10 years, same job, same business is a long time. And um, we are recruiters and we interview people all the time. And not many people can do that. Not many people can do the same job for, for 20, 10 years. And I'm young and, and dynamic and I want to learn. And, you know, this Rio Pertel journey that we're on right now is it's a new job for me. I've actually, I'm writing my new job description right now because wow. what I, what, you know, the job that I had in Rio Group is not the job that I'm doing at Rio Pertel. Different job. I'm like, oh, great. I've got a new job. Yes. True. <laughs> I, I, I love that. I'm interrupting this episode of the RAG podcast to bring you a message from our sponsor, Audro. You know by now that Audro are the number one video interview platform for recruiters around the world. Now, they keep bringing out new features from Audro Capture to Audro Producer, and it just keeps getting better and better and better. But now, recently, they've just announced a new feature to the platform, which is a complete game changer. During COVID-19, they realized that the recruitment audience the communication was changing. Globally, their clients and candidates were, were using Microsoft Teams and Zoom more than anything else. The phrase, let's jump on a Zoom call or jump on a Teams call has actually replaced the, the words video interview for a lot of their conversations over the last six months. Now, they were thinking, do we, I mean, how are we going to eradicate this? How are we going to make Audro the name that everyone talks about for, for the interview process? And they realized they didn't need to. They needed to integrate. So for the first time ever, they, they're the first video interview platform on the planet that have decided and managed to integrate with Zoom and soon to be integrated with Microsoft Teams. So with one click 
after recording a Zoom video, you can now drag that into Odro and create everything else that Odro has from adding the CV, the heat maps, the capture, and the producer elements. You get all the benefits of Odro before and after the interview, but you get to use Zoom, which is client-friendly on all levels. So this is massive. Teams is coming. It's the first time anyone's ever done it in our sector, and it is literally going to change the way you work in 2021. Get in touch with my friends over at Odro at odro.co.uk, or if you're already a user, reach out to your account manager to make sure you've got this feature. Together, next year is going to be an even stronger for the remote industry across the recruitment space. Back to the show. So can we can you give us an overview of where the business was at the beginning of 2020 then? So pre, pre-COVID, could you just paint the picture of what the company looked like as Rio Group at that point? Yeah. So in December of, so for the first 10 years, we were strictly finance and accounting recruiters, very deep in that discipline and quite famous in finance and accounting. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest specialised f accounting firms in Sydney. Then um, at the end of last year, we decided we wanted to diversify into corporate services and technology, and we started that journey. Um, we invested, um, we doubled our headcount. So we, we hired a talent acquisition learning and development manager who would mm-hmm. onboard rookies and go and teach them recruitment. Mm-hmm. And we invested basically all of our money into doubling our headcount. So what, we, what, were the, what were the numbers from what to what? Uh, oh, well, we went from like, 12 to 20 within a year right um and all rookies wow so there's a there's a bottom heavy element to the business at that point yeah so we went so we took we took the stance that um in in the event that we weren't able to hire an experienced recruiter because you know how it's so hard to find recruiters and and they don't exist they're unicorns every recruiter's a unicorn so you need to grow them. You need to grow your own recruiters. And we've been very successful in growing our own recruiters. So we invested in that. And that investment didn't pay off. So we would have completed all of our onboarding and training of all of our rookies. And we might have gotten six to nine months tenure <laughs> out of our grads before COVID hit. Right. And then I set the team down at COVID and I said, okay, um, this is going to be a really, really hard year. Um, this is going to be worse than the global financial crisis. I'm going to tell you what I experienced in the GFC. This is going to be worse. I'm going to let you know you're not going to make money this year. You are. You might recruit, but you're not going to make a bonus. You're not going to make money. The economy is going to tip. We're going to go through a recession. So you are not going to be successful for 24 months. This year's a write-off. You're going to recruit, but you're not going to make much money. The year after, you're going to rebuild your business and then you might start making some bonuses. You've got 24 months in front of you of hard work and commitment. Now, I'm going to give you the night to think about whether you want to stick to recruitment and stay in the industry, whether your heart is in it, because if your heart is in it, you are going to thrive. You are going to be so successful at the end of COVID. But if your heart's not in it, I suggest you leave now. And the next day I had six people leave. Wow. How many stayed? Uh, Twelve. Yeah. That's that's an interesting. I mean, look, of all the people I've spoken to in the last, you know, I've probably spoke to four hundred recruitment owners in the last six, seven months, and no one. That's the first time I've heard an approach like that. Most people made decisions based on their own view of of what their business looked like. I don't know 
you know, I don't, I didn't hear anyone. No one has told me that they've almost laid the, you know, laid the gauntlet down and allow, and allowed people to, to make that call themselves. You know what though? It's, it's really powerful what you did. Really, really brave. I think because, you know, you, 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 you didn't lie to these people. You gave them a, you know, you gave them a pretty, pretty accurate prediction of what was going to happen. And, yeah. and you, you allowed, it would have just been an up and down journey. I imagine with those six people for the next 12 months or so, whether you, you know, that they, they were, they're, they're in turmoil, whether they're doing the right thing, you're going to be thinking about them or your leadership team are going to be thinking about them. And, you know, you saved each other probably from loads of yeah. back and forth. <laughs> The, the retrospect is like so that that moment you know we lost all of our investment you, like do you, you do you ever talk about what it costs to grow a recruiter mm. you've got their cost of seat you've got their salary and the investment mm. for zero return like we're talking 100 150 grand to grow a rookie to someone that can produce income for you mm. so yeah. you got to do your numbers start let let the calculator start going and start thinking about the investment that we made and we lost it overnight and we're on a small business i can't call mr michael page who's probably dead but you get my drift and say hey can i have um two million dollars we need some capex because we got a kind of we got a runway year there was none of that and um that was shocking how, how did mean, you feel how did you feel in that moment, Stella, when those six people resigned? So you've lost six people, you've lost all that investment. Oh, and by the way, you've still got COVID staring down the barrel at you. How did you feel in that moment? Oh, it was sickening. Like that February, February was a sickening, sickening month. Uh, not February, March. March, yeah. April. It's just vomit worthy when I think about the decisions and that we had to make. Marcelo, um, he's, a, he's an exceptional crisis manager. Um, so the decisions that we made to actually keep the business um, buoyant and in survival were really hard decisions and he's exceptional at that sort of decision making. I, I'm nowhere near as strong as him there. Um, but, you know, what I learned during COVID is that it, it, your, the fundamentals of running a business remain the same irrespective of the economic environment that you're in. It took COVID to teach me that. And I'm not an accountant, right? Like I'm not an astute commercial accounting leader. It's like fundamental, where's your balance sheet at? Where's your P&L at? Where's your cash flow at? You know, what's the what's the target for your profit? So if your revenue's dropped, you've got a certain runway that you should be managing your business. And I learned that in COVID. And I'm grateful for COVID for that because that failure will mean I will never, ever experience this again, ever. Mm. You know, we overcapitalised last year. We overinvested. Rookie error, like, you know, you don't chuck all your money into your house. You've got to save some for your holiday. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's really accurate. I mean, <laughs> I interviewed um, a couple of people on the podcast who'd sold a recruitment company for 20-plus million um, about six months before COVID. And then I brought one of them back on in the first month of COVID to talk about, you know, his advice. And one thing he said, I don't know if he said it online or offline to me, but he said, we never had three months runway in the business ever. So they did 10 years. They took it from two of them to 10 to, to 120 staff, a couple of hundred million turnover, sold it for 20 million. But they never had three months wages in the bank ever. 
So they wow. they rode they rode their luck basically for ten years, and he's like, if COVID had have hit when we were halfway through, we'd have been fucked. <laughs> yeah. So he said, I can see why people do keep throwing the, the that rolling the dice and keep investing and keep investing because they've done it and it worked. But now post COVID, so many businesses are going to be way more well, way more cautious about that. They're going to be clever. They're going to be a little, and you might not grow at the pace you would have two years ago. But you'll grow in in a more sustainable way, hopefully, and you'll be you know you, yeah. you're going to you're going to be ready for whatever could come because we're getting talks in London of a, of an addition of a new strain of COVID, right? Um, hopefully, it's not you know going to going to mean the vaccine is no longer like um, powerful enough to to do its job. I don't think that's the case. They're saying it's more a case of it just spreads a bit faster. But this shit could come back, right, in a different form. There's so much that could happen, and we know that now, um, and. Uh, and so I think what you've learned, I've learned, and so many people have learned as well. What one thing that's going through my mind when you when you talk about this is 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 your house, right? I'm thinking you've got two children, you've got your husband is your business partner, you've got twenty down to twelve people or whatever that you're responsible for. What's the dynamic like in that household? Like how does a how did a day navigate for you being a mother, being a wife, being a business owner? I suppose, you know, being a daughter, a sister, or whatever, all the other responses. How did a day look in your life in that household? Um, so it, the first few months was pretty dark. You know, I won't, um, I won't lie there. It was really hard mm-hmm. um, because there's no division. So there, there was, there's no division in family and business. No. That was a 24-7 crisis for us, for anyone, right? And so be it. So be it. Doesn't last forever. You got to lean into it. You know, someone gets cancer. What do you do? You can't just die. You got to fight it. Mm. So um, we fought it. And and I think what I learned from that is there's no light without darkness. It's also yin and yang. Mm. Um, and you know, I I explored that as well. I explored what that challenge meant. Kids were fine. Like kids don't care. Mm. Mum and dad are home. You know, kids are great. Yeah. What was your biggest concern, Stella? What, was, what 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 kept you awake at night? Do you think the business was in in, in strife? You thought, do you think you might lose the business? No, no. It was actually my people. Um, the business is. We've never. I've in business. I don't think I'd ever lo- like. I oh, would never lose in business. We're good business people. I didn't. I wasn't worried about that. I was worried about my people, though. I was. I wanted to make sure that the business survived for them. They had given us so much, and I wanted. It was all about them and making sure that they would have a job at the end of the day. And it's funny because they gave us a lot during during lockdown um, and we are having the biggest December that we've had, or biggest quarter, uh, Christmas quarter that we've had in about five or six years. Wow. What? what before and that's on yeah, reduced staff as well. So it's, yeah. Before we move on, just one more point on this whole... Like you and Marcelo, I think, is unique because, you know, there's this. I've, I do know other husband and wife partnerships in this industry, but I'm just thinking in the pandemic, you know, you said there's no separation. But, like, were you able to talk about anything else? Like, in you know, lay next to each other at night, first thing in the morning, you know, were you able to converse about other things or did it, was it just all consuming all of the time? No, we couldn't. Mm. That's really, really 
like dangerous for the mental for mental health and and so how you said you you spotted that what were your what behaviors or what actions did you take to 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 cope with it and to potentially come through it um so um the actions that i took is i I exercised every morning at five o'clock so Mm -hmm. i would wake up and, and exercise so i had a good hygiene around my physical health and i meditated two or three times a day so i had good hygiene around my spiritual health and what that did is gave me the space for my mental health to be reasonable got to understand you can't be perfect we're in a crisis you're in a you, like you know this crisis is the equivalent of getting cancer of being diagnosed with heart disease i use a lot of medical metaphors because that's my training when someone gets diagnosed with a medical illness that's terminal, guess what? That's a pandemic. That's a crisis. You've got to consider all of your uh, options. You've got to, you know, lean on people that you uh, that are close to you. You've got to go through chemo. You've got to go through radio, whatever it is. You've got to lean into the pain of that, not sugarcoat it. And, you know, that's what we did. We, we lent into the pain of that. You know, we dealt with the problem face head on. Deal with it quickly. Like Pain's going to come. Yeah. Can't run away from pain. Can't run away from pain. Can't run away from challenge. A final interruption to today's episode to introduce Vincere. Vincere is the all-in-one CRM ATS platform built for the recruitment and staffing industry. Now, I first heard about these guys about a year ago. The amount of prospect recruitment agencies and clients I was working with that were telling me they were moving over to Vincere, I had to look into it. And what I found was a business that had a global reach um, with multiple offices around the world. So they've got this follow the sun methodology, which allows them to support recruitment businesses wherever you are and, have, and, and be in your time zone. But the technology that they've invested in um, is becoming a, a disruptor in the space. More and more recruitment businesses are, are doing this to give their, their recruiters a competitive advantage. They broke into the G2 Crowd's Momentum Grid as a market leader based on their reviews from their customers. So the, the agencies that are using this platform are raving about it. Now, if you're a rag listener and you're thinking about changing CRM or you're a new business looking to launch with a new CRM, then I would get in touch with, the, with these guys because if you mention that you're a rag listener, they're doing an amazing deal. By visiting www.vincere.io forward slash rag, you can get an exclusive deal which offers two months completely free on a two-year commitment or three months completely free on a three-year commitment. This applies to all licenses that you've either signed up for now or that you'll add in the duration of the contract. So get on there and have a look. Finally, if you're listening to your recruiter and you're thinking, I want to move into a more of a business development role um, and I'd like to keep hold of my recruitment knowledge. Well, these guys are recruiting for a BD person, well, multiple roles in both Sydney and London right now. So if you've got a strong recruitment background, you want to move into BD and you want to work for a fast moving tech business that's helping people like you right now, then get in touch via their website because they're hiring today. Back to the show. When did you start to feel like we were coming through this? When, when were you getting your, your, your energy back, Stella? When, when did the darkness lift? The darkness lifted in June, June, July. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, June, June, July. And definitely, you know, when, when the lockdown kind of finished. I know you guys are in lockdown and it's awful, but, you know, that's the truth. You know, as soon as we started to mobilise, it, it did start lifting. How did you feel in Sydney looking at Melbourne being in such a extended sad. lockdown? Really sad. And um, 
<clears throat> one thing that Sydney has done well and maybe other areas of the world haven't done well, and it's it's actually really sad, is that we're, our, our tracing's amazing. Mm. And um, we're free, you know, Sydney's free. It's incredible. It's incredible how you guys, as a country, how you've managed it is incredible. Um, I don't want to keep talking about what's going on here because I think people in the UK are probably just sick of the news, but <clears throat> it's great to see what you've done. I mean, but so going back to June, July, that's when we met. And, and you know, as I said, we it might have been that actually. So if you remember, the first call we had was 15 people the night after the senator in Melbourne or Victoria said, we're going back into lockdown. And that might be why you were the one person who was like the shining light in the room that wasn't maybe, I don't know. There was Simon Hare, Simon Hare as well, who was in Sydney. And, but there was, I felt like the, the floor had been taken out of the room and it was the first session, you know? Normally that's the most excitable session. Actually, it was the flattest one we ever had. It went, it went one way from there. Um, but you were, you know, you had energy throughout that. So perhaps, perhaps that was, um, that was part of it. When did you start to understand or you know see that this merger could happen like where did that come from in in, in in a year like this it's not the year and the merger conversation didn't start from COVID right. um it's something that I've been talking to agencies about for a while right. um I have a stance that there are way too many small players in recruitment in our sector we need to merge there needs to be a roll-up consolidation because um, the businesses aren't providing people career pathways. They don't have proper people development processes. Um, they don't have training and development. Leadership's not good. And what happens is we've created an industry where human turnover is at 53%. There's a reason for that. That's As a recruitment leader, I actually have a responsibility to do something about that. So I look at, well, how can you invest in people and systems and structures if you're a 10-man band, if you're a five-man band? That's why I wanted to grow mm. because I want to have a human resource person. I want to have someone that can develop leaders within an organisation. That costs money. And if you're running a small business, you don't invest in that. Well, recruitment as an industry is a series of small businesses. 100%. We're all small businesses. So what are we going to do? about addressing this as an issue. And I've just, you know, if you want a sustainable industry, we've got to roll up. And I had spoken to a few <coughs> businesses about this, but it, you know what, when you run a small business and you run your house through it and your boat through it and your car through it and all of that, no one wants to roll up because they're not running clean books. We've all been there. You're not, you're not really running, you're not running a corporate, right? So no one wants to roll up because it means that you can, you're turning yourself into a corporate. Um, and then this time last year I had met um, James Pertell at a, at a like a bullhorn event or something like that. And then I was asked to sit on a panel at the RCSA with Greg Savage and Nikki Beaumont on how to scale up a business because I had just doubled Rio and I was the small business contender on the panel of how to double your business. Mm. And this was at the beginning of March. And James Pertell was sitting in the audience. And at the end, there was Q&A. And someone said, oh, what do you see for the future of recruitment? I said, we all need to roll up. We need to merge. It needs to be a consolidation. And then I um, said to James, I said, hey, James, for example, you and I should become Rio Pertell. His business is called Cox Pertell. And he just sort of looked at me from the audience. Did you know him already or not? Oh, I knew him, but not well. Right. 
And at the end of that, I pulled him aside and I said, are you interested in talking to me about a merger? I mean, I had been knocking on a few, 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 few doors. And he mm. said, oh, it's funny you said that. I've been looking at that myself. So that was the beginning. Mm. So it was the start of COVID? Before COVID. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, that's incredible. So Before COVID. What goes into this process? Like I've never been through a merger and I'm sure Pete has never been through a merger. Um, what I'm sure a lot of the guests haven't been through, the listeners haven't. So tell us what actually went on after you decided to explore it. What did you do? Well, the first thing that we did is we checked whether we could get along. <laughs> um, you know, so there was a courting period. So we had yeah. probably four, four meetings. And then at the end of those meetings, we actually got our families together and I cooked a beautiful Greek roast lamb and invited oh, his wow. family over. And we had a whole day, two families together, and we checked if, if we gelled. And we do. We have the same family values. And we knew from that point that we could do business together because the rest, the rest of the challenges that we were going to face were more around structure and governance versus do we have the same values? And so long as you've got the same values, you can you can do business. From there, we went into the due diligence process. So we actually assessed each other. So um, that went above and beyond the financials. We actually looked at our customers. So they don't have one overlapping customer with us, not one. Wow. So when you're looking at things like mergers, you're looking at, well, you, I, what I looked at is adjacencies. How can I go and find recruitment agencies that are an adjacency to what I do? We're super specialised in finance. I'm looking at tech. I'm looking at admin, sales, marketing, engineering. So um, he his business fulfilled a whole portion for us and we really complimented him as well. Wow. So, so then the, we looked at the economics the economics stacked up. I mean, when when you we, we between the between us, we've got three offices. So take a couple of leases out, put that money straight to your bottom line. Hmm. We had duplication in things like our all of all all of our um, tech stack. So um, once that was covered off, we then did an assessment on people and culture. And you know, every time we did an assessment, it just kept on lining up. And then we went, we're going to do this. So we did a proper financial due diligence, um, you know, with the lawyers and, and the accountants. Things stacked up and we went, right, we, we signed heads of agreement and we made the announcement that we're going to merge. Now, the merger hasn't happened. You know, it takes like months to merge. You can't slap two businesses together. No. That's like, so where we're at now is we've done, we, we hired a change manager. So we hired um, a change director actually that, that helped us map out that what we needed to consider as part of our change plan <clears throat> and that looked at you know people that looked at all of our risk uh looked at our ops workflows um the first 90 days of the business starts in january and the first 90 days is focused on vision mission our behavior framework our culture toolkit role alignment kpi alignment uh salary alignment people and cult just people so that is the first thing that we're looking at. From there, everything else will hang off the business. So how manager. big how big is that business? Oh, uh, the business is 23 people. So you're So you're we've more, both grown, yeah. we've both grown through COVID and that's COVID numbers by the way, like meaning, you know, we both stripped down during COVID. Yeah. Um So what yeah. the total business is 23 now when you put everyone 23 together. 23 staff, yeah. From both companies together. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, so, I'm, I'm curious, when, when you knocked on the doors of the other businesses that you flirted with before you spoke to James or before you uh, uh, kind of publicly proposed to James in, in front of the whole recruitment community, why did one of those conversations progress? What 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 was the stumbling blocks there? They just they just they just don't respond. Like I'd say, you know, I'm interested in merging. Would that be something? You know, like I really believe in the power of many. Hmm. Is that something that would interest you? And it's just <laughs> like hearing headlights, not commercial. I just. Like, it baffles me. And it's because they're lifestyle businesses. And that's yeah. fine. If someone wants to run a lifestyle business, run a lifestyle business. But I need to address an industry issue here. It would it, it, it would be so alien, though, to, to, to most people to receive that phone call or that email yeah. saying, do you want to merge? We, we spoke about this earlier. We just don't see mergers in Australia. It would freak no, you see, leaders out. You see acquisitions. And, you know, I, I think I think people are really watching um, I think recruiters are watching. I think other business owners are watching. And that's fine. That doesn't scare me because I welcome failure. I will not berate myself. I will not. Mm. And I've got the courage to do something like this because I believe that it's the right thing to do for our people, for my people, for, for Cox Patel's people. We are so much more stronger together than we are separate so, so the, much more strong the dynamic there's james and yourself and then marcelo as well on your side is there anyone else on on that business that is a founder and founding member of the other business no it's it's you know we've got a few shareholders but it's a 50 50 merger yeah um and there are um three ceos Hmm. And that's me, James, and Marcelo, and we need to do that right now because the businesses run separately. And my strength is recruitment, people, and culture, and that is my remit. James is strategy and growth, and Marcelo's is ops, finance. And just like Harris Farm Markets have three CEOs, Atlassian have three, uh, Afterpay have two, Aldi, for God's sake, have two. Really? So multiple leaders is becoming a thing of the day. Now, yeah. we have multiple leaders because we have to, not because yeah. it's a choice. Yeah. But you know what? We're, you know, we make decisions. We, we There is no material decision that gets made without us three having um, involvement in it. And if we can't decide, it gets escalated to our board. That's never happened. <laughs> I, uh, I'll be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm just pumped for you i'm super excited for you and I, I, I don't i don't doubt you're going to make it successful i also think if you do want to start that business with me in the future and you offer me that lamb roast dinner like you've got it sorted like you don't need to... <laughs> that's me that is me literally like signing already on, on the line <laughs> but, um i think it's incredible i think it's, it's a really feel good it's a feel good story as well in, in, yeah, in such, a, such a yeah. such a tough year and it's yeah but I've watched you, like, obviously, I know I've had an impact when the Academy's had an impact and Pete's had an impact, bringing it all together with the three of us. But your your attitude on LinkedIn has been absolutely relentless. Like, I've got over 23,000 recruiters on my LinkedIn. That's all I see is recruiters every day, right? Um, so I think I've got a decent barometer for what's going on. And you are relentless. Every day, there's a story. There's, I think, the tips for CEOs you put out there 
Like they're, they're better than I could have told you to do. Like you, you inspire me. You give me ideas and advice and I'm like, fucking hell, it's coming back around now. It's all, you know what I mean? You give to receive. Um, but how much of an impact has that had this year? So we started together in June, July. How much of an impact has your, your attitude on LinkedIn had on performance, both, you know, in the business and, and your confidence and, and everything that goes with it? Yeah, um, it's been game changing. There's two things that have happened. First of all, I met Pete and Sean. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys have been pretty, you guys have been pivotal in the shift that I've made as a business leader this year. So I, I thank you for that, very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think I was a good student for Hoxo, mm-hmm. but I didn't keep it to myself. I taught my team. Mm. So, after every session that you and I did, the next day my team was doing exactly what you taught. And we as a, as a team um, implemented the strategies of Hoxo. But what I did is I said, if, I, if we're really going to do this, I did a pilot and I said to the team, I'm going to pilot something from August to October. And the pilot was this, I'm not going to look at KPIs at all, but I'm only going to look at one KPI, activity on LinkedIn. So I started looking at... Um, how many new LinkedIn connections they made within their specific target market. I started reading and looking at all of the posts that they were doing. I started supporting them with their curated posts and I focused sales activity on meaningful marketing on LinkedIn and I held them accountable to it in their weekly one-on-ones and I was there and I was present with them. What's come out of that is a significant revenue uplift in the business. And um, I'm telling telling the market our secrets here. And it's not really a secret because you're out to everyone, aren't you? <laughs> we're not out to everyone. We're helping. I'd say we're, to, we're working no. with about 1% of the bloody industry right now. But honestly, um, it was not only the information that I was taught on, on Hoxo, but it was actually the, the rollout of that information to the team and the accountability cadence around that. Accountability cadence is kind of the thing that got it working. But, yeah, you said, Stella, you got to post every day on LinkedIn, and I thought, all right, I've got to post every day on LinkedIn. It's I'm not intelligent there. I'm just doing what I was told. But, but, but the, so I told that to so many people who who haven't done that. And, um. I don't know. I, I I look at it like, look, if 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 I could give you a, an activity that takes fifteen to twenty minutes a day, and I can guarantee you'll make more money in twelve months' time, would you do it? And everyone's like, of course I'd do it. Of course I'd do it. I always ask, do you enjoy sitting there staring at lists and making calls to people you don't really know? Like most people say, no. I'm like, all right. Well, this will be more fun. It'll be just as powerful. In fact, in fact, it'll be more powerful with the way the market's going. Will you do it? And they're always like, of course I'll do it. Of course I'll do it. And then you see about twenty percent of people actually do what you did. Um, Pete was one of them. Pete was incredible this year in, in the way that he took to LinkedIn. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's it stands out. Like, it just it just stands out. But there's days where none of us want to do it. I, I have days where I don't want to post. It, it, it's funny you should say that. My, my, my biggest uh, hit, for want of a better word, on LinkedIn this year came. I woke up at 6 a.m. I'm laying in bed. And I'm just thinking about the day. I thought, oh, shit, I've got to put something on LinkedIn. I've got nothing to do. But Sean said I've got to do something. <laughs> come up with something and I just pulled something out of my brain because Sean had told me that I had to and I put the Coles thing up which just went fucking went that was the best just like, you've got oh. the best post on LinkedIn and Thank you. I, I think that what that what that wraps up into is again mind mastery consistency yeah 
What's the key to success? Consistency and understanding that failure and success are synonymous, symbiotic, don't come, one doesn't come without each other. Yeah. So, you know, consistency, I, I understand you've got to keep doing the, the rhythm, the rate, the cadence, the consistency. I completely subscribe to that. Like that is that is actually my fundamental belief is, you know, I've got, I've got two parents. One was consistent, one wasn't, right? That's the truth. And then I watched that growing up and the respect for my mother that was there for everything. And, and I hated her sometimes. Like, like when I failed my exams, well, my mock exams in, in my, when I was 15, she, she literally beat me up with the remote control. Like, I'm not even joking. She smashed the remote control on my head. She was that frustrated with how I was behaving. But this woman would like dragged me through and was seeing it fail. And, you know, when I got over the bruises on the back of my ears, um, I went out and I did all right. And she's just always been there. And, you know, she doesn't always have the answers but she's always fucking there. And even now I get a message from her every morning. I've had one while I'm doing this podcast. How are you feeling today? Every day without fail. She does not, she doesn't miss a day. My dad loved the guy, but you know, God knows what he's doing today. It's just always been like that. Right. And I see that strength that she brought. I've, I've tried to bring to everything that I've, everything that I do. I always think if I can just keep showing up, even on the days I don't feel it, and there's a fucking load of days I don't feel it. You saw me in the summer when I did not feel it a lot of those times, but I kept showing up, and and it yeah. will, and and that's how I'll, I know I'll be all right. Whatever happens, I know I'll make it to a point where I'll be okay because I'll keep showing up until the day I can't show up. Someone stops me, um, mm. or something stops me. I think that's that's literally all all you need to do. Um, I'm. I'm literally thinking, look, it's an hour's gone. This I could talk to you for the rest of the day. Like this has been so much fun, um, so much fun. It's been, it's uh, been inspirational. This one, Stella, it's been inspirational. Yeah, it's, it's, what a way to end the year! What a way to end 2020 with a story like this. So thank you, Stella. Um, if anyone does, you know, anyone in the UK or Australia or anywhere in the world who's listened wants to reach out to you um, and 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 ask you anything personal or just just have 15 minutes of your time, are you open? Are you open to yeah. that? Yeah. Yep. I've facilitated a couple of how do I merge conversations yeah. lately. I don't think it's just going to be about the merger, to be honest. I think yeah, your, I energy, yeah. your energy is so infectious that people will just want to, you know, we've had, I'm looking at the comments through LinkedIn now. What a great episode. What an amazing episode. Great story. Incredible story. Love this episode, guys. There's plenty of people and we're, you know, it's very early in the UK. It's very late on a Thursday in Australia and there's people listening live. Those that listen back will no doubt feel very similar. Um, Hey Stella, aside from the people who work for you, do you do you mentor anybody outside of the just outside of the recruitment industry? Um, I don't mentor as uh, I do. So all of the roundtables that I run, I'm a professional roundtable moderator. So mainly CEOs and CFOs, some HROs, mainly industry people. But I haven't got any um, recruit recruitees or recruitment leader mentors, mentees. Yeah. You'd be an amazing mentor. I wish you'd mentor me, actually. Mentor me, do you mind? Every Thursday afternoon, it'd be amazing. <laughs> so long as we've got a glass of wine. And maybe we'll end up in business together too, Pete. You never know. It might right. be this. This might be the three amigos. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'd pull it off. I think we'd pull it off. Um, well, Stella, I want to say from me to you, thank you so much like for, for giving me your time today, for giving us your energy and time throughout this year. You've you've personally helped me. Um, and... Um, I'm I'm de I'm delighted that you've you know you're finishing in such a such a positive way, um, Pete. It's emotional. We've had a, we've had a really good. I think it's been six weeks or so of, of sharing the mic. 
It's been good. Yeah. I've really enjoyed it. We, we yeah. have been like, I, I, I was thinking about uh, the analogy or the metaphor that Stella used earlier about what one of us is the pretty face and one of us is the stem. I think uh, <laughs> I, I'm definitely the pretty face. You're yeah, I was thinking that. I was thinking that. I was like, I'm, I don't know if I'm rigid enough to be a stem, but I'm close enough. Um, I do remember on the first episode, I wore my specs, which I don't wear a lot. Um, I think I just looked like I just felt so bad in the morning. I was like, I put them on; it'll take the you know take the impact away from everything else. And Pete turned up with specs, and he, in the in the green room, he just whipped them off in like this little mood. And I was like, oh, here we go. And then he's, he's had them on every week ever since. Well, like, you yeah. can have your specs. You can have your specs, mate. But but to you, mate, as well. It's been um, it's been an incredible year working with you, and uh, I, uh, I look forward to, I look forward to twenty twenty one together as well. Um, for those of you that have listened that have given me and, and this show your attention in 2020, I want to say thank you. It's been an incredible year from going daily with the show on the second day of lockdown. I did six episodes a week for about 12 to 15 weeks. It was incredible. Um, we got to, we, we quadrupled the listener base in that period and it's never dropped. Um, for those of you that have um, been part of the show and actually been a guest in 2020, thank you for giving up some of your time to, to help the global industry. I, it genuinely is why we do this is to help other people um and i want to i want to just say to everyone like take a rest over the next few weeks like go and like, that's why i'm, I'm not going to be putting another episode out this year i'm going to have an actual rest i want to recover i want to think about the year i want to reflect on the things that have gone on and i want to come back in 2021 even bigger and better than we than we did this year and I, and I want everyone listening to do that if you if you've enjoyed today's show if you've listened to stella and think wow like like me and pete have in in real in real time please share this like get it out text someone whatsapp linkedin email whatever get this link out to someone um because together when when we when we learn every week from the best people in this industry um like like stella it's, it's another way of rolling up it's another way of rolling up because we're, we're we're sharing the best ideas we might be sat in individual companies but if we have a similar you know approach to things um we're going to be we're going to be stronger as an industry so have a wonderful, um, wonderful Christmas and New Year. Um, spend it with those you care about. And uh, I'll see you again in 21. Um, take care and we'll see you soon. This podcast is brought to you by Hoxo Media. We are the world's number one inbound marketing agency exclusively focused on helping the recruitment industry. Myself and my business partner started the business in 2017, having been recruiters for seven years before. We felt that the recruitment industry back then needed to change and that marketing was going to play a huge role in the way that new and existing recruitment organizations won business and stood out in such a crowded marketplace. In three years, we've now worked with over 200 organizations around the world. We reach a huge audience with both this podcast and content online and we have over 55 recruitment agencies right now we're managing the marketing for. So that involves strategy, content creation, distribution, systems process, and leads generated. Having been recruiters and marketeers, we can not only build your brand, but we're also able to connect it to your sales team and ensure that leads are generated as a result of marketing. There's a clear ROI that leads to sales activity. But we also understand recruitment businesses. That's small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large businesses in all sectors. We understand you, we've done the job, and we can build campaigns that are super relevant to what you need as a business right now. We've also recently launched the Hoxo Academy, which is designed to help recruitment owners, recruiters, and marketeers 
learn from the work that we do so that you can action some of this stuff in-house on your own. The Academy has been launched in May 2020 and has already had an amazing uh, response from the market and it's only going to grow one way. So if you're interested in either having Hoxo support, you build your marketing as a, as a supplier that acts as part of your team or you want to be trained by us on how to do it yourself, then get in touch. Visit www.hoxomedia.com and register your interest on our homepage. We will then get back to you within 24 hours and arrange uh, an introductory call. Thanks again for listening to this show. Every single one of you means so much and we will see you again soon.